Hey, before I get into uh, the middle of today's talk, I, I want to just mention to you in this series, uh, based on uh, where we're going next Sunday, next Sunday, I want to really encourage you uh, to invite, make sure that if you have like high school age uh, students or college students or maybe even students that have completed, um, you know, their college, uh, but they're just sort of searching, uh, Solomon speaks to that. He really does. And uh, I want to encourage you because I think it will be incredibly helpful for them. So even if they don't typically come with you or they give you the mom, dad, I'm too busy and got too much going on, whatever you need to do, you know, offer to wash their clothes <laughs> or make their favorite meal, uh, you know, give them 20 bots. I, I don't know what it's going to take. I really don't. But if you can get them here, you'll be really, really glad that you did because Solomon has such wisdom that he speaks uh, to young people, actually. Uh, I want to get started, uh, actually, with a story uh, today. I uh, did that last week, shared with you a story that had absolutely nothing to do with the message. And, and you seem to enjoy it so, so I thought that maybe I would try it a second week in a row. Has nothing to do with the message. Are you clear on this? But you notice that, um, you know, when sometimes you uh, don't have a lot of time and you're looking for filler material, you, no, not really. I got more than enough. I promise you, I got more than I'll be able to share in the time that we have. And I'll cut some parts out as I typically do. But I love the story. And it goes like this uh, Morris and his wife Esther went to the state fair every year. And every year, Morris would say the same thing Esther, I'd like to ride in that helicopter. Esther always replied, I know, Morris, but that helicopter ride is $50, and $50 is $50. One year, Esther and Morris went to the fair, and Morris said, Esther, I'm 85 years old now. If I don't ride that helicopter, I might never get another chance. Esther replied, Morris, again, that helicopter is $50, and $50 is $50. But the pilot overhears the couple arguing, and so he says, folks, I'll make you a deal. I'll take the both of you for a ride, and if you stay quiet for the entire ride and not say a single word, I won't charge you. But if you say even one word, it is $50, all right? Morris and Esther agreed, and up they went. The pilot did all kinds of fancy maneuvers, but not a word was heard. He did his daredevil tricks over and over again, but still not a word. When they finally landed, the pilot turned to Morris and said, by golly, I did everything I could to get you to yell out, but you didn't. I am totally impressed. Morris then replied, well, to tell you the truth, I almost said something when Esther fell out, but you know, $50 is $50. $50 is a lot of money. Now, in regards to today's message, we're going to move into chapter 3. You know where we were last week. By the way, if you were not able to be with us for the kickoff message in this series, I'd encourage you, you can go online and you can check that out. You can listen to it, download it, podcast, watch it online, whatever you choose to do. But uh, in this series, we've been talking about finding satisfaction and how can we discover some real meaning in our lives. And all of us want that. We want satisfaction. We want meaning. We want significance in our life. And we've, we're learning from a, a guy who was not a perfect guy in any stretch of uh, the word, but a guy that God used, a, God that, a guy that God would choose to bless and speak some reality 
into our lives. And uh, very interesting. The whole book of Ecclesiastes is quite interesting to me. Uh, anyhow, but what we're going to talk about today, you've probably read it, but uh, I would imagine that probably 97, 98% of you have never heard a message uh, wrapped around what we're going to look at today. And I think that by the time we get to the end of this message, that you're going to understand this chapter, chapter three, so much better. And so let's kick off with the very first verse because it sort of sets up the thesis of what he's going to talk about. Look at it with me. In fact, let's all of us read it together. Will you help me out, all of us? Let's read it. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There is a season for every activity under heaven. And right out of the gate in verse 1 of this chapter, Solomon actually clues us in on something that we often don't think about, and that is, and that, is that our lives are not like uh, comprised of just a string of random days. A lot of times we may feel like that. I go from, you know, Monday to Tuesday. I go from week to week. I go from, you know, month to month, and here we are. It's hard to believe that uh, we're into the middle part of August. We're about to come into fall, and it just seems that our days just sort of, you know, go together, and that's typically how we think about them if we think about them at all, but Solomon, this great man, you know, who wasn't perfect, who made a lot of mistakes, we said early on, he has this wisdom that God has blessed him up with, and he says, you know what? That is not how your life is. Your life is not just a bunch of random days. Actually, he says, you move like season to season. There is a time for everything, he said, and there is a season for every activity under heaven. And the reality is, for us, friends, we are the sum total of various seasons, when you really stop and think about it, and you, again, you may not have thought about it a whole lot, but if you were to go back and think about it, you'd say, you know what? That, that is so true. I see that I move from various seasons into the next one. So uh, we move into a season, and then we typically remain in that season for some time. Sometimes we stay longer in that season uh, than we should, and I'll talk about that before we're done. And then we exit that season, and then we move into the next one. So your life, my life, Solomon would say, it's not just all these random days sort of pieced together, glued together, and that's how your life is. It's we move from season to season. And, and we started out with a season. We started out with a season, and I know that there are a lot of babies at our church today. That's sort of like the totally dependent season. You know, um, a baby can't really do much for itself. It can't really feed itself. So, you know, by the time they're about two or three, their parents have to take that baby to Chick-fil-A and let them have a real meal. And, you know, can't change themselves, can't walk, can't, you know, it's like a totally dependent season. And, uh, you know, move on to another season, sort of the growing up. And then uh, many of you can look back and uh, say, well, I can remember my college years. I can remember that season of my life. And some of you are saying, why do you want to even remind me about my college years? I don't want to even think about my college years. They were not good years. And so, but that's the season of your life. And then, you know, you, you get married. A lot of you do, not all of you. Some of you choose, well, I'm not going to get married or I haven't found the right person yet. But if you chose to get married, you have a honeymoon season. And um, that, 
you know, how long that lasts is sort of up for grabs, depending on the situations. For some people, that honeymoon season, uh, you know, lasts quite some time. For other people, it, it gets over rather briefly. And then you enter into the child raising season if you happen to, you know, choose to have kids. And I was thinking about it. Audrey's now getting ready. It's hard for me to believe. She's getting ready to, you know, she's planning every day uh, a wedding. And I'm more in tune with this than ever because I'm finding out, you know, two boys, you don't find this out as much. But how many of you have ever had a, a daughter get married? And how many of you know that's not cheap? And so I'm finding out, uh, you know, uh, about a wedding a whole lot. Like, Dad, uh, hand me your debit card. Hey, Dad, you know, this. And so I'm, and then I got to thinking about it, but there's been this whole stretch. Uh, reality, it's this next season. Some of you are already in the season. Uh, we're about to go into the season. It's the empty nest season. And, uh, and uh, you know, not had an empty nest. We've not had, had an empty nest uh, since I was thinking, I was just thinking about it this week, knowing, you know, Audrey's got until June of next year, and, and then all three kids are grown, married, out, gone, and it will be a season where a child has not been in the house that I've not experienced since I'm, I was 19 years old. So that's going to be, would you not say, that's going to be a little bit of adjustment when you're used to having, you know, kids and that energy and loudness and everything. And so that's a season, an empty nesting uh, kind of season. And we go from season to season. And it's a good thing, really, Solomon would say, uh, to detect the season that you're currently in before you move on to the next one. So maybe you would do that for just a moment and you'd just say, all right, what kind of season am I in? Am I in the child, you know, child raising season? And, um, you know, a lot of you are in that and you have small kids and you're easy to spot because you're the ones that look the most tired among us. And, uh, you know, you're the ones that, you know, you're excited as school is starting. You're just really excited. And others of you, you're like, man, I'd love to be back at that because it's never been quieter around the house than it is these days. Or, or some of you are in the retirement season. I was talking to a buddy at the gym this week, and I said, he called his name, and he comes here, he and his wife sometimes, and actually has another church but likes to come here, and, and he sort of sneaks over here from time to time. And uh, so uh, I said to him, hey, you know, uh, you're getting rather close to retirement. I'm thinking he had like three to five years, which seems rather close to me, you know, when I've got about 43 years left to go. And he's like, 14 months. And I'm like, 14 months. Uh, you could tell he was like in, in countdown. We've got an employee at the church that is in the counting area. And every day, I'm not kidding, uh, old, older guy, and, and uh, he has it down today. So I walked in. I don't know what it is. I can't keep track. But when I walk into his office, stick my head in the door and say hi, you can see the countdown, 107 days, 106 days, 105. I mean, he's serious about it. He's it's visible for the whole world to see. And all of us, so just take a moment, sort of assess what season? Maybe you're in the college year. Some of you are college students, and uh, you're thinking about, all right, I'm wrapping up college, and do I go to graduate school, or, you know, do I jump on out into... So just consider, it's good, Solomon would say, sort of detect the season you're currently in, because you're not going to be there forever, and then think about the one you're going to move into next. 
And then Solomon actually does a unique thing. He mentions some examples of some seasons that sometimes we go through. And, and I'll just hit on two or three. I hope you'll go back and read Ecclesiastes 3 sometime later on. But in verse 4, and skip it down three verses from where we started, I want you to look at this. And a lot of you uh, may be in uh, either of these seasons, all right? He said, all right, here's a season. He said, there's a season which is a time to grieve. And he said, but there's another season. And in that season, it, it is a time to dance. And maybe you're in a season right now of grief. Maybe that's where you're at. And if you are, I'm so sorry. Most of you, and I'm not be repetitive, but most of you know that I wasn't really familiar with that season until a, a couple of years ago. And in just a short period of time, lost my dad, lost my mom, lost my grandma. I'm like... It, it had been really since I'd lost a, a family member. Uh, it was actually going all the way back uh, to 1971, before, about 20 years before I was born, somewhere around there. And now it was my, my grandfather. And, you know, I was so young that I, I barely remember that. And then we've gone all this time really in our family without losing, a, which is unique. And I'm grateful to God for it. But then like, bam, bam, bam. And so now I'm like, okay, I, I, I understand. I always felt empathy for it, always prayed, always took those times when somebody had lost a loved one to try to be as compassionate as possible as a pastor to walk them through that time the best that I knew how. But I've, I've got a whole different perspective having been some time ago in that season of grief. And maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe, maybe your season of grief is not because you've lost a loved one that has passed away. Maybe, maybe you've lost a job. Or maybe you've lost a dream or it appears that you've lost a dream. Or maybe you lost a marriage that you really wanted to work out and things were just so outside of your control and no matter what you tried to do to make it work, it just wasn't. And, and maybe that's what got, has you in a, a season of grief. And it could actually, for some of you, and I know that this is applicable to some of you, it could be that it's taking everything that you've got just to be here today. And you just hope that maybe if you had come and maybe you didn't feel like dealing with people or talking with people or really, you know, you maybe even feel like you're just on the verge of tears that, uh, you know, any given moment they may just be unleashed. But you've come in today and, you know, it's taking everything you've got because your, your heart is heavy and your tears flow easily and your joy just seems elusive. If, if that describes you and you've just made your way in here no matter how your heart feels or how weighted down you feel, I want to just say, I'm so glad you're here. And for the longest time, I could never say, well, I, I understood that season because I didn't. I felt empathy for that season. But now I can look at you and say, hey, I know that season. And maybe my loss has not been the same loss that you're going through right now, but I know what it's like to grieve. And, and I also know what it's like for God to bring you through that season. I know what it's like, and it may seem like you're going to be in that season forever, but you're really not. In fact, something I ran across some time ago, and I just held on to it because it was helpful to me, and I'll just share it with you quickly. It says, though, though your loss may be permanent, as in the death of a loved one, your season of mourning is not. In time, it will dissipate, and life will again hold joy and peace for you. And maybe you just seem like, hey, that, that is, that's not even near to where I'm at right now. I understand that. But I do understand that that season of grief 
can, and I pray we'll come to an end sooner than later, and you'll get back to that time of peace and joy. Well, maybe you just happen to be at the other end of the continuum, and you're not in a season of grief. You've been there. Maybe you know what that's like. But right now, you just happen to be in a season of dance. And if so, you know what Solomon would say? Dance away. Just let it go. And I, I wish I could dance. I really, if I could do that, I'd give you an example. I really would. But, uh, you know, it's a good thing I don't know because I'd probably show off every other Sunday. But, uh, you know, enjoy this season. If, if, if this is a time of celebration, then celebrate because, and here's a good reason why. Listen, this is really important because times of celebration are not guaranteed to us. You're not going to have celebration 24-7, seven days a week until your very last breath. So Solomon would say, hey, if you're in that season of grief, you walk it through, you walk it through, and you grieve. And, you know, a lot of grief counselors will say that, that if you and I, and this may be helpful for somebody that is here today, that eventually we're going to grieve. And sometimes the sooner we can grieve, the better, because if we hold on to it and we just pin it up and we just keep stuffing it and stuffing that grief, stuffing it, stuffing it, that eventually when we do grieve, it's going to be a lot more uh, dramatic and traumatic than if we just grieve early on. And, and then Solomon would say, maybe that's not where you're at. You're in a season of celebrate. Well, then celebrate dance away enjoy this time of blessing enjoy this time of celebration in fact let me share something with you in regards to that scripture is right this author says with descriptions of seasons of dancing the old testament he says is packed with detailed instructions for festivities and celebrations that god not only permitted but that god also mandated God is by nature joyful and celebratory, and he gives us full permission for wholehearted, joy-filled seasons of dancing. In the course of your lifetime, this writer says, you will pass through countless seasons of dancing. Don't let them slip by unnoticed. If you're in such a season, dance. Mark the events of this portion of your life with celebration. And so for some of you, that's where you're at. The adoption has gone through or the baby has finally come, and, and it was nine months, but you felt like it was 90 months, but it's finally here, and it's a time of celebration, or maybe you've gotten that dream job. You know, you went to school, and you had a passion to do something, and again, I'm going to talk to a lot of college students and high school uh, students next week. I hope you'll bring them here, and some of you that you're graduating, and as it was setting up, and you're like, hey, I'm passionate. Maybe you had a chance to do an internship, and you're like, wow, you know, this is the company that I wanted to work for, and now I'm going to get that chance. Uh, or this is the job that I wanted to do, and I have passion and energy and focus to do that. And now that job is open up, and they're actually going to pay you a decent wage to do the job you want. Then, then Solomon would say, dance, cut loose, have a great time. Let it be a time of celebration. Maybe there's an announcement that the cancer that you or your family member has is now in remission. Well, that's a cause for dance. Maybe there's a friend that you brought to church and they were just hanging out here and they were listening and you, was asking, you were asking questions and there'd be follow-up conversations. And then maybe in more recent weeks or months, you found out that this friend has given their life to Christ. Well, that's, that's cause for great celebration. And we ought to do it. And Solomon would say, you know what there is? There is a time for grief. There's a season for that, but there's also a season for celebration. Now, the next one is rather unique, and I started to skip over it, but I want to, you know, the Bible, for people to say, well, the Bible doesn't really address every area. Well, this is, this is quite detailed when you look at it. Let's look at it. There is a time to keep and a time to throw away. How many of you didn't even know that was in the Bible? There's a time to keep. 
and a time to throw away. And I know what some of you ladies are thinking. You've been wanting your husband to clean out that garage for the longest time. Wave at me, guys, if she's been hammering you on that. You got to clean out that garage. And now that I've given her a little ammunition, she's going to tell you after the service, she may tell you during the service, I told you that cleaning out the garage and throwing stuff away is biblical. Get started. All right? So I, I feel, you know, because I want to keep this all even, I feel obligated to give the guys a little ammunition, so I'll give you some as well. Maybe you would say in reply, I will, as soon as you clean out your purse. Let's move on. Let's keep going. <laughs> a time to keep and a time to throw away. Well, there's another season, and this one is more significant. And maybe you've read about it, but you've never really thought about it or talked it out with anybody. And we're going to look at it because this is really, really important right here. There is a time to be silent and there is a time to speak. A time to be silent and a time to speak. Now, I do not need to inform you that we live and work and go to school in a very noisy culture. How many of you know that? And really in the techno-advanced age in which we live, we're surrounded by noise that raises, um, uh, or that there's so much that it raises sort of the ambient noise in our heads to like extreme levels. And um, I just think about it. I was thinking about it while I was working on this talk. More and more, is this not true? Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not you as much. But, but more and more, silence feels incredibly awkward. And, and I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll give you an example. How many of you, you don't have to wave, nod, you don't have to point at anybody, but how many of you, it is hard for you to drive down the road in your car without listening to anything? I mean, just think, when is the last time you really drove for any length of time at all and you weren't talking to somebody or listening to somebody? Or when, when's the last time you just drove and you had silence? Now, those of you who have small kids, you're exempted from that. That is... That's a whole nother season. You're not even close to that yet, all right? I'm just telling you. But for those who, maybe you were just by yourself. I mentioned my memo a few moments ago. And for the longest time, my, my grandfather passed away in 71. And I don't know if it, I don't know when it started, um, but I just know that forever, and maybe it was because she felt lonely, maybe because she just wanted noise or voices, that every single night that I ever knew of. She went to sleep and she left the TV on and the TV played all night long. And uh, maybe some of you are, any of you like me in this regard, you don't really need the fan to be on, but you just like the noise of the fan. It just helps you sleep a little. Any of you like that? All right. And uh, when I travel and not able to take a fan, that's like a restless night of sleep. So I, if, once I figure out how to pack a small one, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be all right. But we just, we have so much ambient noise. And why would I even bother to mention that? I, I mention that so that I can enter this question into the equation. Here it is. Please listen. When is your world really quiet? When is your world really, really quiet? Have you prioritized times of silence so that you can read God's word without distraction? Can you hear his quiet 
whispers. When's the last time? And I run into people uh, all, all the time. I'd, I'd love it if God would speak to me, but God just, he, I know he speaks to other people. Maybe they're better Christians than me, but God's not speaking to me. And, and um, you know, and maybe, maybe he's trying, but he can't get through because the line's always busy. There's so much other noise. When have you had quiet moments to simply sit still for a little while and just think on his thoughts and think on his ways? And Solomon says there's a time to be silent. And you and I need to learn the value of that, the value of solitude, to listen to God and read his word and think his thoughts. But then he adds there's also a time when silence is not the order of the day, but there's this time when you need to speak. And you need not hesitate to speak. And maybe actually on some of these occasions that I'm about to address, you would say, you know what? I would like to remain silent in these situations. But now God is saying to you, I don't want you to be silent. I want you to speak up. It is time to speak up. And and the reason I mention that, because probably many of you in this room, you have a friend or you have a family member, maybe both, that is walking on a self-destructive path. And yet to this point, you've not really spoken into that. And you're like, you know, this is just not my personality. It's not my temperament. And I just, I don't do that. And I don't get in people's business. Well, you know what? God may be telling you to get in their business. God may be asking you to speak into their self-destructive ways a little bit. And, and, and it may go against your personality type or your temperament or your nature or such. But, and it may be that you're saying, well, you know what? I, I would do it, but again, the way you're wired up, I don't want to do it because it will probably anger them or it will harm the relationship or it's going to disrupt peace. And, and you know what, friends? Can I, can I just kindly say, those are not good reasons to be silent. And I think you need to move into it cautiously. People make me nervous if they're ready to straighten out everybody. You know, I, I, I'm not into that. If somebody's got a judgmental spirit, I'm not, I'm not into that. But there's just some times when God is saying, you can't be silent here. You've got this friend. You've got this family member. And look at what they're doing to their life. Look at how, look at the path. You know the path they're on. You know nobody's speaking into it. You can just sit around and wait forever and hope that somebody else will do it. But you just sense that more and more God wants you to do that. And there's ways to do it. You don't go in with guns blasting. You don't go in, again, haughty. You don't go in sanctimonious or being judgmental. Maybe, it's, maybe you start it with just something like this, where you just have a conversation that begins with a phrase like this. This is very difficult for me to do. And maybe there's somebody you need to have that kind of conversation with. Maybe this week, maybe this afternoon, this is really, because you've been silent, other people have been silent, everybody's standing around, everybody knows what's going on in this person's life and the path that they're on, but nobody's saying anything about it because they don't want to disrupt anything, don't want to trouble this person, and yet this person is headed for deeper and deeper trouble. And maybe you just say, you know what, it's really, really difficult for me to say, but I want you to know I love you, and I'm not judging you, but I'm just seeing, I'm seeing that you're wrecking your life. And because I love you so, because you matter so much to me, I cannot sit back any longer and say nothing. I've got to speak up. And what you're doing is you're, you're wrecking your life. You're hurting the people around you. You're sabotaging your own career and your own future. You're sabotaging your relationship. Every relation, And you just got to be honest about that and you got to speak. So Solomon would say, you know what? There's a time when you've got to be uh, silent and you've got to listen, but there's another time that you need to speak. 
Now, taking us back, and you see on the screen the title of this whole series, Finding Satisfaction, is what we've been speaking about from Ecclesiastes, and Solomon is talking about that, discovering real meaning and purpose in life. And so we need to pause and just transitioning here a little bit. We need to pause and think about, well, how do I navigate through these seasons between now and my last day? And it's crucial, friends, it really is that we, as I mentioned earlier, discern what season we're currently in. And then to follow that up, once we've discerned sort of the season that we're in or we think we're in, then to follow that up with this question, what do I need to learn while I'm in this season? What do I need to learn while I'm in this season? What is God trying to teach me during this present situation of my life? In certain seasons, we know this, certain seasons of life are painful. In certain seasons of our lives, are going to be very challenging, and sometimes they're incredibly emotional. But because God is a perfectly good God, and because God loves you, and because God loves me, what he wants to do is he wants to teach us beneficial lessons even during the tough seasons of our lives. And sometimes when you're in a tough season, you may, and this may be where some of you are, you don't even feel like God's anywhere around, but he is, I promise you, or that God's not even aware, but I promise you he is. And, and it may be that God's trying to teach you, and maybe be going back to what I mentioned earlier, maybe if you could get silent, if you could find some quiet spaces from time to time, you'd be reminded of some reality that's found again and again in God's word. And maybe, maybe right now you're in a lonely season. Maybe that's just you. Maybe you've come through a breakup in a relationship or the engagement's been called off or you had this long-term friendship that you just hung out with this person all the time. Or maybe you've come through a, a marriage that was dissolved for whatever reason and you're just in a time of real loneliness. And it may be that during this season, I, I don't know, but it could be because God often does this when people walk through lonely seasons. He may be wanting to teach you about his presence and that even in your lo- loneliest moments, that he's actually right there. Maybe he wants to teach you about his compassion and then he knows that you're hurting. He knows what you're walking through and he sees your tears and he understands. Even if it's a tough season, doesn't mean that there's not something that we can't learn. What is God trying to teach you? Maybe in a season of great loss. Maybe he wants uh, to teach you that you're not forgotten and that he's right there and you're not forsaken, that he's not abandoned you and you're not having to walk through all of this all on your own. Uh, Job, and it's not on the screen, but nobody went through the challenges that Job went through. You need to read his story if you're feeling bad about your own situation and just, I mean, lost his business, lost his employees, lost all of his kids, lost his health. I mean, everything that brought him a lot of joy in his life, he just lost in like rapid succession. And he came to that point, one of the most remarkable things that Job ever says, he says, though God slay me, yet I'm still going to put my hope in him. It's like, you know what? I've, I've, I've been wrecked in so many different ways and I'm heartbroken. And he said, but you know what? Some way, somehow I still have hope in God. Maybe you're in a season of weakness and pain and you're just, you know what? I want to be stronger. I want to do better. Maybe it's a season of pain that is even in your body or in your emotions or in your life in some regard, maybe in your mind. And uh, here's a verse. Uh, Take a look at this verse. This is what God uh, spoke to uh, Paul in one of his painful seasons. His answer was uh, to Paul, my grace is all you need for my power is greatest, Paul. Look at that statement. My power is greatest when you're weak. It's greatest when you're weak. There's a lot I'd like to say here, but I want to move on for time's sake. There's another reality concerning seasons that we need to dig into before we're done this morning, and that is the importance of moving on from a season 
once it's come to a close. Some of you, if you're like normal people and you're normal people, so this would be you. You're probably stuck. Some of you are in a season that has already run its course. You should have already moved on from that season. But you just keep hanging out there. You just keep dwelling there. And uh, I have to ask you, for what reason? Why are you staying there? Is it because of fear? Is it because, you know, even though you should have moved on from that season to the next by now, it's familiar and sometimes, you know, we have the, the fear of the unknown. Maybe it's because you're in a fog. You're like, uh, what do I do or, or how can I make a change or why should I make a change? And maybe you're, you've just been in a season and it's time for you to move on. Maybe some time ago somebody hurt you. Maybe they hurt you deeply. Maybe they betrayed you years ago, and you're like, you keep hanging on to it, and you're just like, maybe you're still dealing with some remnants of some bitterness, and maybe, I hope not, but maybe some unforgiveness, and it's like you, you can't have forward motion in your life because you just feel stuck in the season that you're at, and you just keep, and you keep dredging it up. It happened a long, long time ago, and you keep dredging it up. Listen, friends, let that season come to a close and move on. Move on for your sake. Move on for your spiritual life and your, your mental health and your physical health. Just move on. Some of you were disappointed by a church or a Christian a long, long time ago. Maybe, maybe you look back and you, just, you put a lot of confidence in them, and, and, you're, and you're like, you know what? They were just so hypocritical, and I put a lot of confidence in that person. Look at what they did. And, you know, because of that, it's just caused you to become a little bit apathetic toward God. Let me, let me say something about that. Even if it happened and even if it's real and maybe if that person just totally was like 100% hypocritical, don't blame God for stupid things that people do. Are you with me on that? That's not God's fault. And maybe actually what has become over time for you is just an excuse to stay in the season that you're at. Because it's easier just saying, well, I got hurt a long time. I'm not underestimating that. I got hurt in this church, or I got hurt by this Christian, and this guy said he was a Christian, but he did me wrong in a business deal, and, you know, I had this position, and I, and I get that, and I understand. And that can be incredibly painful, but you can't stay there. And maybe you've been hanging out in that season, and maybe you just needed somebody to stand up today and say, move on, move on. Maybe you're in a dating relationship that is unhealthy. Maybe it's a, a relationship that is dysfunctional. Maybe everybody around you has been saying, like, why are you staying in this thing? And maybe you know that there's no future to it, but yet, you know, it's, it's, you're just hanging out in that season. Move on. Move on. Maybe you have an addiction that has enslaved you far too long. Maybe it's pornography, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's food. Maybe it's just something. You're like, you know what, this, this keeps me so shackled up. And, and I'm not going to say something like, because I know it's not this easy, just say move on. But I would say it in this way, move on, get some help. Get some help. If you've got an addiction, you've got to get some help oftentimes. Because if you're addicted to something and you don't want to be addicted to it, but you just keep going right back to it again and again. The reality is if you could have done something about it on your own, you probably would have done something by now, but you can't do it on your own. 
You need God. You need God's help. Like Paul said earlier, it's a totally different thing. His was a physical abnormality. But, but, but God said to Paul, Paul, my power is greatest where you're weak. And you're just trying to just work your way out of this on your own. Maybe you just need to enter into a program. Maybe you need to check yourself in somewhere and get the kind of help that's going to help you to be free of this addiction once and for all. Is God whispering to you about the next season of your life? Is he saying to you, it's time to move on. You got to keep going. You don't stay stuck where you're at. Move on. Move on. And then I want to deal with the final season before we're done. And this is a season that awaits us all. And uh, Solomon mentions this one, still chapter 3, uh, deeper into it, verse 11. I want you to look at this. And this, this season is applicable for every one of us that are here in this room today. Look at it with me. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. That's a season. What is Solomon saying to every one of us that are here today and I'm going to make a couple of comments and then we're going to pray. What is Solomon saying to every one of us? That God, this is what he's saying, that God has deposited this inner sense into your life that lets you know that there is more to this life than just this life, that there truly is an eternity. And this season, friends, probably among all the other seasons are critically important simply for this reason. This season will be a forever season. Eternity is a forever season, and you get to choose. On earth, you can choose that you'll go from season to season, ignoring and rejecting God, and, and God keeps dealing with your heart, and God's talking to you, and God's drawing you into a relationship, and maybe even you sit in services like right here, and you hear the truth, and you hear the Bible each week, and you're like, okay, it's good, and, you know, I like the music, and, you know, uh, Jeff's not totally crazy, and, you know, I just keep coming back, and, and yet you're just, you're not making a decision that's going to affect your eternity in a positive way, and you can just keep saying to God week after week, year after year, no, not now, not yet, not, and you can keep putting that off, and you can put it off so long that you land in a forever season of torment and unbelievable regret that you'll never be able to escape. That will be your reality forever and forever. Or you can take God's offer, which is on the table for each and every one of us. When God says, you know what? You can, you can walk in this life with your hand in my hand, and I'm going to be with you season to season. I'm going to be with you in this season, and I'm going to take you out of this season into the next one, and then one day when all of your seasons are wrapped up, I'm going to usher you into the forever, the final season of your life. Solomon says, God has made beautiful, everything beautiful for its own time, he has planted eternity in your heart. So where are you at? What season are you in? Would you stand with me for a closing prayer? I just encourage you this week to just say, you know, God, I'm, I'm in this season. What are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn? And for some of you, it's like God said, it's time to move on. I mentioned just a few. There could have been 50 things that got to just be saying, hey, move on, move on, move on. Other people have been telling you. Other people. God has been whispering to you, move on. But for every one of you here today, you've got to be prepared. You've got to make sure that you're ready for the most important season of them all. God has said eternity. You know that there's something beyond this life. You know that there is. You may not have it figured out, 
But God has set eternity in your heart. And you got to get it right. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? If you're here today and you just say, you know, Jeff, will you pray for me? I'm, I'm in a season of, of loneliness, a season of pain, a season of weakness, a season of grief. I'm just in one of those tough seasons and I need prayer. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Just lift it up real high wherever you're at. You're just in one of those seasons. I want to pray for you. All right, you can put your hands down. If, if you're just saying, you know what? I'm, I've just been putting God off. And I know that God has set eternity in the hearts of people, but I've not really prepared myself for the final and forever season. But I want to do that today. How do I do that? And you receive Jesus. You invite Christ to become the Savior. You invite Christ to become the leader of your life. And if you're not a Christian yet, you want to be sure you're ready for the final season, which will be a forever season. And you want to pray with me to receive Jesus into your heart and life today. Know that you have a forever home in heaven. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand really, really high like people did a moment ago and just lift it up real high and let me pray for you right where you're at. Just put it straight up in the air and you can put it right back down. And God, you know what every person is walking through today. You know the challenges. You know our fears. You know our frustrations. You know the season that we're in when we're afraid, when we're lonely, when we're walking through grief. You know those times of celebration. Help us to realize, God, that our lives are not just a string of random days. And if we're in a season, God, right now, whether it's good or bad, help us to learn what we need to learn from you before we move on to the next one. And if we're in a season, God, that we need to move on, that we just need to go ahead and vacate, move into the nights, give us the wisdom and the fortitude and the self-discipline to move into that, and maybe even the help that we need to get from others to move into that next season. And then God help every person here to be ready for the final season, the forever season. And they do it by saying something as simple as this, and you could do this right in your heart. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm so sorry for my sins. I know that I've been putting you off and rejecting you. Maybe I've even made a lot of excuses, but I'm done with that. I need you. I want you. I receive you. Thank you for coming into my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise before we leave today? I promise you don't want to miss next week. Bring your students with you. I love you, everybody. See you next Sunday.